Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 92 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I chat with Amanda Kuda, also known as Authentically Amanda. She is a coach for women who are ready to step into their power and shine bright and let go of alcohol. Today we talk all about dating, specifically online dating. Amanda has created this fantastic, amazing course called Mindful Dating, and it's for women who are releasing alcohol from their lives and want to date. And I can't think of what a better time to talk about this since we're all quarantined. How are we going to meet people? Well, me and Amanda get down and dirty and talk all about online dating. So let's get into it. In this episode, Amanda and I talk about the first 30 days, whether you're trying to go sober or you're just dipping your toe in the sober curious pool. The 30 days are really important because they kind of set the stage and build your foundation for the rest of your recovery. I know for myself, my first 30 days were truly life-changing. I gained so much from putting down one thing, booze. So my challenge to you is what can you gain in 30 days from putting down the bottle? With daily exercises and emails right to your inbox, you will be educated, inspired, and motivated to go a full 30 days booze-free. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com and sign up for the 30 days to gain booze-free challenge now. Get this party started. Yes. Miss Amanda Kuda. I am so stoked to talk to you. How are you? Hey, sister. I'm doing so good. How are you? Great. It's so nice to finally connect with you. Obviously, I follow you on Instagram and, you know, stalk you that way. But it's so nice to have you like on the line and, and hear your voice. Yes, I agree. I feel the same. I know I follow you for a long time and we've chatted <laughs> back and forth, but never had an actual verbal conversation, which is so weird. But I'm glad that we're doing that now with right? other people listening. Yeah, <laughs> whoever's listening. Um, Amanda, I want to know your whole story. I mean, 
you are a, a coach. Um, you're, you're pro, you're, you have programs. You have the whole nine yards. But I want to know how this came to be. How did you get into this like, field of work? And what is your personal experience with alcohol? Oh, for sure. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So these days I am a mindset and life coach for alcohol free and sober curious women. But if you would have asked me even, you know, four or five years ago, if that was the title I would ever hold, I would never have even had the like creativity to go there. And I, I would never have thought I would be talking about sobriety in a public platform because in my quote unquote past life, I was a party girl. I loved going out. I loved socializing. I loved drinking. That was part of my identity. And I really took on this identity late in high school when I realized that, you know, all of the other kids had kind of transitioned to this more social lifestyle. They weren't doing sleepovers and, you know, backyard parties anymore. It was Friday night, Saturday night, we're hanging out in someone's basement drinking cheap vodka. And mm. I, I never really fit in with the other kids in my high school. I always felt a little out of place. I was definitely a highly sensitive kid who didn't have any language to just, you know, describe that. And so in, you know, our little kid minds, we just decide that we're weird. We're strange. We're unlike everyone else. We're abnormal. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to high school, I realized, oh, there's a tool that can help me to fit in with everyone else. And it's called alcohol. So if I just drink this you know, magic potion, then I'll be able to kind of level myself down to the place where all of the other kids are. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really, really interesting philosophy that I came up with as a, as a teenager, because, you know, most people are drinking to fit in. And mm -hmm. I realize now, as I look back at that teenage version, version of myself, that I was actually drinking because I was tired of standing out. I was tired of feeling different. And alcohol is this thing that kind of levels the playing field on all fronts. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Like just realizing that, you know, yeah. you want to be like everyone else. And if you're going to do that, you need to have this substance in your life. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started drinking and really became, I realized like, oh, this opens up this pride of my personality that I've not been able to, not been confident enough to bring to the surface before. And so now I must be a partier. And so that carried on through high school, through college and as I kind of got, you know, through my college years, I, I never had a problem like getting to class. I was always a good student. I never quote unquote had a problem. I didn't get into any other drugs of any kind. Mm -hmm. And so it never came to pass that I had a problem that re required any sort of self-inquiry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. In fact, I even remember, you know, before therapy was posh, when I would go, uh, before you talked about it and, and talked <laughs> about it on Instagram, I would yeah. try and tell my therapist, you know, I really think that I should cut back on drinking. And literally they would look me in the eyes and say, no, you don't have a problem, which is just Whoa. so odd because you're trying to like self-validate a decision to do better for yourself and the world around right. you is like, Oh no, you're not an alcoholic. Just keep it up, girl. Yeah. Like you don't fit the statistics. Yes. Here. And it's wild. And I know I'm not the only one who had that experience with therapy wow. or with, you know, telling someone else and it's not for any sort of harm they're trying to do, but when you don't fit the mold, yeah. they, you know, people aren't equipped with other tools. No one has a language to discuss. Oh, well, then you could just quit drinking. And especially if, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps your therapist or your wellness practitioner or your yoga teacher or whoever is also drinking, then right. of course it benefits them to say, no, you're good. Keep it up. Right. Or, or like if they haven't hit, even had any experience in that field or, I mean, mm -hmm. never mind like training. I'm talking like real life experience. Um, 
or even want to admit it or even go there, I think yeah. it's really hard for them to even give their two cents on that topic. Yeah, no, it is. And it's uncomfortable. Mm. And so I noticed this kind of shrinking back of people who I thought oh. to be respectful authority figures. And it just further, you know, reiterated in my mind that I didn't have a problem. Mm. And in 2015, I guess, I decided to pack up and move from my home state of Missouri, a sweet Midwestern girl here, um, <laughs> and come to Texas. And I moved to Austin and I had this vision in my head that Austin was this wellness Mecca where it was all full of hippies. Everyone was doing yoga and maybe they smoked a little weed, but they weren't partying and drinking. And boy, it was I wrong, really? my friend. Yeah, I totally thought that's what Austin was. I thought, Whoa. Was, I know, that's how sheltered and Midwestern I am. <laughs> I, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> I know, I'm so cute, I'm so precious. So imagine my surprise when I come here and it's like a mini Silicon Valley and there's all these like tech kids who are just out in the streets raging and partying all weekend. Mm -hmm. And even though I had the best of intentions to kind of fall into the wellness crew, what did I know? Mm. Oh, all I knew was the party crew. So they say, wherever you go, there you'll be. And I fell right back in with the same type of crew. And it only took me about a year of doing the, the Austin party scene to realize there's something off here. This is just not for me. I meant to do something more. I meant to do something bigger. Yet I just invested all of this time in making new friends. And I didn't really know what it looked like to live a life that didn't involve having an alcohol-focused social schedule. So mm. I talked myself out of changing my relationship with alcohol, honestly, for probably six months to a year. And I, you know, I tried to do the moderation thing, which, mm -hmm. spoiler, we all know it don't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, and don't moderate shit in your life. I know. <laughs> like, who is that one person who moderation worked for? Because I have not heard from them. I know. Care, shoot me a DM, for real. Who invented moderation? It you know, is BS. <laughs> yes, it's a lie that we like preach as like this this, oh, well, you can get to moderation. And I just have never, you know, there are people who are naturally moderators, yes. But for people who have been um kind of social excessive drinkers in their past to get to moderation, I mm -hmm. just I find it to be a little bit of a fantasy. And I certainly did not live out that fantasy. So finally, mm -hmm. um, you know, late in 2016, I started looking for people who were like me, who were non-addicted, young, successful, you know, fun women who just decided to quit drinking. And I mean, you know, the scene back then, mm -hmm. three and a half, four years ago, no one was really even talking no. about sobriety. It was cricket, cricket. Yeah. So then there goes another like affirmation in my head of it can't be done. No one's doing it. So it can't be done. Wow. And yeah. Yeah, there was just all of this negative talk at the time of, okay, well, why should I quit drinking? Because then I'll be a social outcast. I'll be a loner. No one else is doing this. Or yeah. I'll have to, and you know, so much respect for anyone who takes the AA and the recovery path. I, I support that wholeheartedly if that's for you, mm -hmm. but it wasn't for me. So then I thought, okay, so then I won't fit in with this group who has a strong community of, you know, a recovery community. And I won't fit in with this group who are the partiers. So who will I be? And right. It's like all or nothing. Yeah. And I, it's just a great tool to talk yourself out of it. But despite mm. all of that, I decided in January 2017 to take a 30-day break. Mm. And that 30-day break turned into a 60-day break, a 90-day break, a six-month break, a, a year-long break. And I did so much self, you know, personal inquiry and self-work during that time mm. that I got to the end of a year and I thought, you know what? 
I don't think I want to drink again. Mm. And somewhere during that time, I also, you know, stepped up to the platform as, well, if no one else is here talking about this in the voice that I needed to hear, then it is really like my moral authority. I have to start talking about, you know, the person who I needed to hear. I need to be the person who I needed to hear because I can't be the only one out there feeling this way. Yeah. And from there evolved me starting to develop a coaching practice. I had been, I had been in the coaching industry and had trained as a coach before, but hadn't really known what I, what I would coach on. I just was like generalized life coach, whatever. Right. But it, it became so clear in this journey of giving up alcohol that I had to talk about it from my personal perspective. And it's really resonated with people. So I'm glad that I did. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's how I got here today. Wow. Okay. So you started with 30 days. Mm-hmm. Like, was it just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to give this a try? What were those first 30 days like? Oh yeah, for sure. It was, you know, I was doing dry January. So that was great because I had this system around me of other people kind of trying to do the same thing, but there was thank God for dry January. For sure. I know there are so many people who have, um, found sobriety through, through dry January. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really awesome because it's like becoming this really cool, socially acceptable movement that it's just what you do in January. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And if that's what people need, good for you. Good on you. Yeah. Let's let let the good times roll. I agree. But after like that January happens, like then what? What did that look like for you? Well, luckily I had the wherewithal during January to realize that, you know, in the recovery community would say like white knuckling or whatever, you're just using your willpower. You're just like checking the boxes Mm. and getting through the days. And that's what dry January is. And so somewhere along the way, I had this inner intuition that said, sister, a month isn't going to change your relationship with alcohol. You need at least, I knew 90 days in my head was like the next Mm. marker. But I I do want to comment a couple of things about dry January, why it can be so Um, It's really awesome, but it can also be really misleading because I think that it actually digs a lot of people into a a deeper hole. I think that so many people approach dry January as, oh, if I can just take a break, then either one, I I will reset. I'll magically in 30 days reset my relationship with alcohol, Mm -hmm. PS, a known addictive substance, and I'll be able to just drink moderately and that'll be cool. So some people have this, that pipe dream, right? That it's going to do some sort of magnificent thing. And honestly, a lot of people in the alcohol-free space have done you, you know, listeners a disservice because they have planted that idea in your head as well. So let me be the first to tell you, if you haven't heard the news, 30 days is not enough to reformat your relationship with alcohol. Just not going to happen. Um, sorry to be a buzzkill. Buzzkill. <laughs> buzzkill. Yeah. Um, and okay. in that same sense, it also, because you're able to control this thing that you've, you know, kind of thought was out of your control for 30 days, mm-hmm. it re-imparts this idea in your head that you don't have a problem. And maybe you don't. But because you're able to control it for 30 days, it kind of gives you this sense, this boost of self-confidence like, oh, well, alcohol doesn't control me. So I'm not like those people who need to, to like not have it. I can clearly not have it in my life. And so right. it gives you this sense of like, oh, I'm good. And that, yeah. you know, just reiterates the story that you don't need to make a change. So I just want to caution anyone who's doing dry January, dry July, sober October, whatever, like 30 day stint you might have heard of yeah. that it can, there, there's some false marketing out there that can really make it more detrimental than it is good. That's a great point to make. 
Yeah, I, thank you. I like that. I like that. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, um, but I think as a point of solidarity or as a, a movement of, hey, I'm doing this with several other people, that's what's powerful because then you yes. don't feel like you're all alone and so isolated. Totally. Yeah. Did you Absolutely. ever do a dry January or like a one of one of those one of the the posh non drinking months? No, I didn't. I kind of. I mean, I, I like you. I did start with thirty days, um, and that was because I have a fear of commitment. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, you know, like. I always say like when you're starting off, like saying forever is absolutely terrifying. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like the first step to like failure, like forever, like, okay, no. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's too much. It's too much to to digest at once. So I think breaking it down into 30 days and then 60 days and 90 days, and then really kind of getting some steam and like really seeing the changes um, and reframing alcohol and be like, well, that's not how I want to feel. Like, that's not how I want to live. Um, it actually gave me a chance in breathing room to see what I was, A, gaining from not drinking, but also what I really, what was I really gaining from drinking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot. Yeah, but we like, can tell ourselves some really good stories about how we need it because yeah. X, Y, Z. Yes, exactly. I need to relax. I need to fit in. I need to be sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you don't because you already are sexy and you can relax if you want to just chill. Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> There I, are I, other I, ways. Oh, 100%. And it's, is drinking a shortcut? Yes, but it's also a bypass and it makes it to where you've reaffirmed in your body, you've reaffirmed in your mind and your mental system that you're not capable of getting to relaxation or sexy on your own and that you always, so then of course you always yeah. reach for this tool. It's like if you always bowled at the bowling alley, alley with the bumpers up, then the second you take them down and you hit a, the gutter the first time, you freak out and think, oh, I suck. But no, you don't. You just haven't practiced enough to get yourself like on point. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to, to, to backtrack a little bit in your story when you, when you said it was so sweet how, you know, you were very sensitive and it was hard for you to maybe articulate that as a, as a kid or as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that has uh, transcended into your adult life? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's a great question. I, this is something I've only become more aware of quite recently as I really Mm -hmm. delved into my own sensitivity and, you know, I identify as an empath and I know there's probably someone listening who identifies as the same, but you know, a young girl growing up in the Midwest that there was no word for that. In fact, like if you were, if you even hinted that you had like a a sensitivity, then that meant you were like trying to say you were psychic or something. Right. And that's Mm. not and she's a witch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like take her out. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, and I didn't necessarily know that, but I definitely was really highly attuned to other people's um, emotions. And when you don't have yeah. a language for that, and then your parents don't have an understanding or a language for that, what you learn to do because you realize it makes other people uncomfortable is you learn to shut it down. But you also never have anyone to mentor you and teach you how. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. 
Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. How to kind of manage it. To where, um, you know, anyone who has empathic qualities or anyone who like soaks up the emotions of others, surely at some point you've been given the, you know, the visualization of staining in a glass house where other people's emotions bounce off the glass and go back to them. You can still see them and observe them, but you're not letting their emotions into your little window of the world. Mm -hmm. And that there was no conversation like that for me when I was a little kid. So, you know, Mm -hmm. being also an intelligent kid, I made the assumption oh, I'm very weird and strange. This isn't normal. I need to, you know, not talk about this. And I also need to be different because other people aren't like me. And yeah. And it's so, it's really heartbreaking to, to have that realization. But though I have so many clients who have had that same moment in their childhood where they realize they're slightly different and maybe they are psychic. Maybe they are highly intuitive. You know, maybe they do have some higher level gifts, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is, there's a moment of reckoning when you realize the way that I feel, the way that I think, the way that I perceive the world is really different than my peers. My contemporaries and the kids my age are not thinking, feeling, and believing this way. My parents aren't believing this way. And thus, I must be wrong. I must be broken. Right. And I'm the black sheep. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if your parents don't have tools to teach you to regulate those emotions, then they kind of go unchecked. And then you get to adolescence where you're kind of stepping away from your parents and that means you have to learn to check your emotions for yourself. And this is actually a really good lesson for anyone who, whose parents didn't, and actually for almost everyone whose parents didn't teach them to regulate their own emotions. Most, most parents don't have the tools for that. So, so then when much you, everyone pretty much everyone, pretty much everyone. So yeah, right, we'll right, just cool. say globally, there's like a handful of you who had <laughs> badass parents who taught you emotional regulation. Shout out to you yeah. and your parents. You're jealous. so cool. I know. So <laughs> jealous. But for the rest of us, your parents, you know, they tried to coddle you and let me take that emotion away from you or you're strong. Big girls don't cry. Stop feeling that way. So we've, right. we've all had our emotions, um, unaffirmed by our parents at some point. And then you get to adolescence where you're stepping out and you're now in charge of your emotions. And if you didn't have the tools, but, oh wait, 
here is something, uh, like a little, a little secret sauce that you can drink that will help you get kind of like gear down those emotions that your parents never taught you to deal with. Then Mm -hmm. you feel like empowered because now I can drink alcohol and that will make me not stressed out or that will make me more confident or that will make me not feel so sensitive and weird around other people. And so we all have our Mm -hmm. own flavor of how we've adopted this. But what I have found is that most people who are over drinkers are people who had that really sensitive, um, you know, background, or they just didn't have their emotions affirmed by their parents well enough. And so when they had to take that them on for me. themselves, yeah, no, Hands for sure. Up. Yes. Up. Hands up. Oh, we can mm-hmm. see you out there in the podcast <laughs> world. We know you're yes. doing it too. Yes. And, and so you, you just start to use this tool and the longer you use the tool, just like I use the, the bowling analogy, the longer you use the tool, the less confident you feel about doing it on your own. So mm-hmm. you get to your late twenties, your thirties, your forties, your, you know, however, sometimes it's midlife crisis before you realize, and then you're faced with, oh shit. Now I have to learn to do this thing I was never taught to do and I've not been practicing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been so much easier if you would have learned to have confidence and have um, emotional regulation when you were a kiddo, when you were fearless and really curious, but, you know, odds are you didn't. So now you have to relearn it as an adult and it seems super intimidating. Yes. Yeah. I think learning anything new as an adult is super intimidating, but especially something that really impacts your whole life. Yes. Because alcohol impacts every section of your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's nothing that goes kind of untouched. Um, that's really cool. I love how you explain that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really been helpful for me to explain it in that way mm-hmm. because it gives a voice to, to why it feels so scary to quit drinking. And it's really, it's not that you can't be sexy, fun, confident, outgoing. Um, you know, it's not that you can't relieve stress without drinking. It's that you were never taught. So these are just areas where actually you're emotionally underdeveloped, mm-hmm. but how mess, like how, um, you know, you, how strange does that say, feel as an adult to say, well, I'm emotionally underdeveloped in this area. It feels weird, but that's the <laughs> truth. None of us would ever come out and yeah. say that, but that's the truth. You're just afraid to do it because you're emotionally underdeveloped in some way. Totally. I guess that's why like you're basically stunted like from the time that mm-hmm. you really start drinking and you get kind of into it, into the thick of things. Yep. It's almost like time freezes, like your age, your emotional maturity free- freezes. And then I feel like once you get sober, you're kind of like, oh, here you are, 25 again, or mm-hmm. like 20 again. Yeah. And it's like now we have to like go back and like integrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, and that's, do you feel that way? No, absolutely. That's, and I think that's the biggest work is to go back through mm-hmm. and actually relearn those skills and improve upon them. And, and also realize that a lot of the people around you aren't going to have those skills well-developed either. So you will still feel a little bit like an anomaly, but Mm -hmm. that everything you do, once you step into that confidence of, I can relearn how to do this. And it's just, it ripples over into every area of your life. And, and one kind of concrete example I can give, which I know that we have planned to talk about this, but, um, Mm -hmm. is dating. I never learned to date as an alcohol free woman i was not a you know obviously i wasn't a confident girl if i didn't you know 
allude to that enough, but I also was <laughs> taller than all of the other boys. I was super awkward and gangly and, you know, just didn't like come into my, um, my swan moment until college. And so I never dated in high school. I never got asked to a single dance and, oh. and it was just this, this, you know, once I got to college, of course, then all of a sudden I came into myself. I like grew into my body. I was confident, but falsely confident because it was all based on alcohol. Mm -hmm. But that means that every single interaction I had as a young woman dating or flirting to that, to that matter oh, was yeah. flirting for sure. Yeah. It was all, you know, lubricated with alcohol, every yes. single experience. So then flash forward to me as a 32 year old, a single woman deciding to quit drinking in a world where dating apps and everything are encouraging you to go meet for drinks and that it's the common first date. And that's also the common place where you meet people is out at a bar. Mm. I just had to really sit and say, wow, I have majorly stunted growth in this area. Emotionally, I am not developed as a dater and I have to really sit down and take a look at myself here in order to prepare myself to get out into the singles world. And, yeah. and it took a lot of work and confidence to be able to do that. But now I feel there are still areas where of course I'm like, Oh, what do you do in this situation? But for the most part, I've backtracked and reprogrammed myself to be a more confident version of myself. Um, wow. and that's, it's just the work you have to do if you yes. never learn that skill. Yes, absolutely. So tell me about, I know you have a mindful dating program. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because that to me is just so unique and so interesting and I want to mm -hmm. know all about it. Yeah. So the program, honestly, I mean, it's made for alcohol-free women or sober curious women, but to be mm -hmm. honest, everyone should just take this course because I like a, a dude could take this course and benefit from it because it's so much about how we have developed this ideal and this this fantasy of what dating looks like and how we should date. And now with dating apps in the scene, we've been programmed into certain behaviors. Mm -hmm. And as I was kind of doing my own self-study, right, because you don't, I don't teach anything that I haven't already accomplished by myself, I realized, okay, there's a lot of specific work that I need to do to renegotiate how I think about dating, how I think about myself as a partner, how I show up as a partner, and what I look for in a partner. And the first step of that was, of course, giving up alcohol. When that changed, everything that I wanted in a man, in a partner, um, for me, changed. And mm. I, I really had to relook at who I was trying to attract because let me, let me guarantee, I definitely got on the dating apps and was like looking at the, the same <laughs> old guy who I would have wanted to date five years ago. And then I get on a date with him and I realize we have nothing in common. Like you are a bro who just wants to slam it down at, at the bar. You, you have, we literally have no interest in common. So I realized that I needed to hone in. Um, yeah. and I actually have a really funny story. I'll tell you about my first. Oh my date. God, please, please, yeah. please, please. <laughs> okay. So one, one of the reasons I started to develop this theory is that because I realized that there's no pattern, there's no program out there to teach you how to have these interactions. So mm -hmm. how do you have, how do you even bring up that you're not drinking to a potential romantic partner? How do you screen romantic partners yeah. and decide who you're going to go on a date with and who not? Because let's be honest, 90% of the guys who you're going to be on meet on a dating app are going to be a waste of your time. So I really started yeah. watching as how I screen this process. And it all started with this date. 
I had been on a dating app and like made matches with a couple of guys. And at this point, this is when I was like super loosey goosey, like whatever. I'm like, cool. I just don't drink, but I don't care if that other person does. Yes. And okay. so I went, I oh went on the God. date and I decided I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to say anything. <gasps> I'm just going to order. That was my first misstep. So I decided I won't oh, tell him. It yeah. won't be a big deal. So okay. we get to the bar and he, he, um, he says, oh, well, I need to run to the bathroom. I have a tab open at the bar. Go ahead and just order whatever you want. So I order a sparkling okay. water and come back to the table. And he reapproaches the table and he kind of looks, you know, at his like big beer glass and he looks at my water and he kind of pauses for a second. He's like, oh, you don't drink? What are you like, super Christian or something? And what? I was just like, who is this guy? And I'm oh, not, but no. what if I was super Christian? Yeah. And I just thought, okay, so this is, had I been any less of a version of myself, I would have been humiliated and like really upset, but right. I coolly responded to him. Now, like years later, I always say that I really wish I would have like really slipped into a Southern drawl and like given him like some sort of preachy Bible thumpy statement, but I wasn't <laughs> quick enough to do that. And and I just realized in that moment, like, wow, I can't keep dating these same guys. And I also need to come up with a strategy to talk about how I'm drinking or how I'm not drinking beforehand so I can make sure that that mm -hmm. person is a positive mate. So I go over yeah. all of this in Mindful Dating. We talk about how to just prepare yourself as a partner and really getting clear on, you know, I, I don't want my clients who are just giving up alcohol. I don't want you dating for at least 90 days until you've had some time to sit with yourself because mm -hmm. so often dating and swiping can be a substitute for the time you were spent checking out with drinking. Like checking out on a dating app is just another form of checking out. And 100%. Yeah. And same thing with social media or whatever. But here you're mm -hmm. talking about meeting a life partner. Like, do you really want this to be just a mindless thing that you're doing? No, absolutely mm. not. No. So I really talk about getting your mind right first and how you need to get rooted in yourself before you even go out on the dating you know, dating market. Mm -hmm. And then how is it that you go about, I go into everything from building your profile mindfully to attract the right type of guy and looking, you know, using the dating app mindfully to find the right type of guy and making sure that the wrong type of guy is not attracted to your profile. And also making sure that you are not attracted to the wrong type of guy's profile, that you are really looking at these things critically. And from there, okay, what are the rules that we're going to use to talk about our relationship with alcohol and the fact that we're not drinking? How are we going to bring that up? How are we going to format our dates? How are we going to um, decide if we want to see this person again? Like, how can we really stand in our self-worth around all of the work that we've done with our decision to be alcohol-free and to love ourselves fully? And then how can we translate that into a relationship? Because let me tell you, if you're getting you know, dating advice from your girlfriends, or you're trying to figure out how to, you know, best use dating apps from your girlfriends, they don't know. And, <laughs> it's kind of like they're, blind leading the blind, don't yes, you think? Yes. It's yeah. so, it's so awful. Like never let your girlfriends tell you how to use. And I mean, I know I'm coming to this as a girlfriend as well, but yeah. I have really taken a critical look at our behaviors and how we show up for ourselves. And also, what are some of the really bad behaviors that dating apps have gotten us into? Because I don't know if you've been on them, you know, yes. recently, but they they really encourage really poor behavior. And you have I mean, to be... Yeah. I just don't get it. I just don't think 
Okay. I don't think dating apps are for me and I'm going to tell you why. Yes. Because I'm not just a visual person. Like I can't Mm -hmm. just like connect through someone through a, like a picture and a couple of words or Mm -hmm. like I'm on, what was I on? I was on hinge and Mm -hmm. bumble Mm -hmm. and I just, when you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Like, no, I just don't. Also, someone needs to tell some people how to take a picture of themselves. Like, I'm here. Oh, sta- like a stained mattress in the background would be lovely. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not joking you. Like, no, this is this is I real. Hear you, girl. Yeah. Um, I just find it very easily to turned off. Like, I just don't have the bandwidth. I may, and most of the time. This is going to sound horrible. It won't. But um, because I'm gay and not a lot of people like know that or would think because I don't look gay, I guess. I don't know. Or sound What does gay, gay look like? What does That's, it sound like? I have well, no idea. I don't know. But I am, I'm part of that group. Yes. <laughs> um, so I kind of go on there to kind of see what gay people look like. Yeah. If anyone yeah. looks like me. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't really take it too seriously, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but I mean, you're looking for, it's, it's no different than when I went out on Instagram looking for a sober, you know, teacher mentor who looked like me, like you want, you Mm. want someone who like, you feel like you don't need to be like, you look so like Brittany and Justin denim on denim, you know, together, but you need to feel like you look compatible. I mean, that is good. That's obviously one of the best looks ever, but goals. (laughs) Yes. But you also, you just want to know that you like jive with that person and visually. And I really, honestly, I should make a version of this course for men. I think that men could take this course. So, and, and still get the same out of it. But there is, I do a whole module on photos and the rules for photos, because I want you to have high integrity in your profile. I want Mm -hmm. you to show up as the best, like most quote unquote marketable version of yourself. And so many of us are not. So many of us are half-assing it. And Mm -hmm. Guys for sure are half-assing it. Let me be honest, because I have um, I been know, back girl, on I dating think... apps a little bit, and they are half-assing. Um, okay, well, I'm going to show you some 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 girls. 
because oh, yes. I think all around everyone's half-assing everyone's kind of half-assing it because Come I think on, no one's guys. taking it seriously but this it can be used as a great portal you know yes. to to expand and especially like during now like you know quarantine times yeah how are um, you meeting people how are you actually meeting people I don't know Well, and I'm going to say a very masculine thing about dating apps that I think is great for an alcohol-free woman or a sober girl Mm -hmm. is that you can use them as your testing the water and gaining your confidence because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of guys just use an, and you know, people use dating apps as just onto the next. It's just like a game. There's a constant pool of, of partners and why not use that to your advantage? I'm not saying you should do that forever, but if you're trying to feel confident going out on a date. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's an endless pool here. Like, and if you don't really care if you see this person again, go out and use it as a way to figure out how to start conversations and have conversations yeah. and, and grow your confidence that way. I, I, well, I, I always end up friend zoning everyone. Yeah. Like I literally look at profiles. I'm like, Oh, she's going to make a really nice friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. I'm, I'm so interested to hear from this <sighs> about this from, I think, I, I really honestly think that gay males probably try a lot harder than the rest of us do. I, yes. I, I want to believe That's that. why they're superior. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but now we know everyone else needs a really quick crash course. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more, but it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if people don't want to try hard. So they come off like they're trying, you know, it's like, right. It's so like you cool should accept nowadays. me for me. Yeah, but it's so cool nowadays just to like not care. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, then it like comes to the point. Fuck. Or how many yes. fucks do I give? Like, Zero. Well, then I don't uh, want someone who doesn't give a fuck. Like I need no. my partner to step up and, and like take this seriously. And yes. this isn't a video game. Dating games are not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, I don't, I can't even think of a video game right now. I'm not that cool. My neighbor yeah. upstairs definitely knows them all. I hear them playing <laughs> all the time. Um, but it's not a game. Yeah. And so many people are playing it just as a time kill or as a, a way to get an endorphin boost because you had a match with a cute looking person right. and you putting a picture of you on there in sunglasses where I can't even see your face or with five other men or five other women or five other, you know, random people who I have yeah, to like, sort out which you? one you are. Yeah. Yes. If I can't pick you out of a crowd in a public place, then I'm not going on a date with you. It's yes. not happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, are we the only two people who care about dating and dating apps? I don't no. know. It kind of feels like it. No, no? there okay, are, good, there are good. other people out there. They just need to be educated because I know I that so. people are having the same frustrating conversation. Yeah. And, and I feel like I know that when I use a dating app, I can hone in on how to use it efficiently and, and not have a time suck. Like I, I just, I've cracked the code on it for myself, but it would be so much easier if the, the partner that I'm looking for, were all returning the favors. If, if someone would educate the other, the other side of the fence right. a little bit on, Hey, this is, this is how it goes down. If you're actually serious about this. Right. Paying yeah. it forward. Yes. Holy. Um, I have a really funny story about, um, dating and not telling the person. Oh yeah. Bring that it. You, that you drink, that you don't drink. Um, so I, I, I kind of do a a thing where I, when I'm dating, when I'm on the dating apps, like I try and find their Facebook profile too, Mm -hmm. if possible. Yes. Um, and you know, to get a little information, I like to get a little background, Mm -hmm. um, whatever, call me a snoop. 
it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Everyone so, does it. If you could have that person's last name, of course you're looking them up on every other internet device there is. Yes, for sure. So this one particular girl, um, she looked fantastic on paper. Like she was a therapist. She had her own house. She had really cute dogs um, and really nice style. I liked how she communicated. Like everything sounded like really great. Like kind of checking all the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, she was around my age was, which is really great. Like, so age appropriate when normally I tend to go for like much older, but that is a whole other episode (laughs) (laughs) that maybe we should maybe not talk about, but whatever. Um, so anything, anyways, everything was looking great, great communication, talking, da, 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 da. And then we decided to meet. We decided to meet at this cute little bar in Silver Lake in LA. And um, I show up, I'm there on time, and she's late, which, like, kind of, to me, is just disrespectful. Like, Mm -hmm. I like to be on time, and I I kind of expect other people to be on time, or at least just communicate and give me a heads up. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. She's late. Then she tells me to come outside. I'm like, okay. And (laughs) she's standing there like by the door of the bar with her two dogs and she's trying to bring the dogs into the bar. Mm. And I'm like, what? Like on what planet is that? Yeah. Patio only lady. Yeah. And, and no, like it's a bar at night. Like, Oh, okay. No dogs. Not the scene. No, no, not the scene. I think there was actually live music that night. So definitely not the scene for dogs. Yes. Okay. Red flag. Okay. Red flag. So right off the gate, I'm like, wow, this is weird. So I'm like, okay, well, why don't we walk the dogs back to your car and leave them in there because it's at night. We'll crack the windows. It'll be fine. Okay. Convince her to do that. And we're walking back. This is when I should have cut it. This is when I yes. should have cut the date. I, I'm realizing that right now. Um, so we walk back from the car to the bar and she whips out a flask. Good. And I'm like, okay, wow. And she's like, oh, do you want some? I'm like, like, and was going to put it away, like took like a a couple shots and then was going to put it away and then saw that I looked over and was watching her and then offered me a drink. Oh, geez. Like, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, um, no, thanks. I don't drink. She's like, oh, like just tonight? I'm like, no, like in general, like I just, I'm, I don't drink. And she's like, well, you should have told me that earlier. Like super rude about it. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, first of all, you're drinking on the way to a bar. Like they have, they brought their own booze. We're good. Yeah. They yep. have, yep. They're stocked. They have their fully own. Stocked. Fully stocked. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, uh, okay. And so the night just got progressively worse. She was like downing drinks and then proceeded to tell me about some some weird story of how she dumped water on this girl in a washroom and it was just like so like a completely different person. Oh I'm like, how goodness. are you a therapist? Like how is this possible? Like on paper, this completely like successful, stable, great person, you know, great communication, and then in in person, it was like a nightmare. Oh, 
And then she tried at the end of the date, she tried to kiss me and bit my cheek. That is like, aggressive. So <laughs> that is very like, aggressive. I think it was by accident because like she was drunk, obviously, at this point. And I kind of was like, whoa, like avoided that, but like I don't know how her mouth it was just very weird. I'm like, okay. Like I got yeah we're we're cool nice to meet you so now Um, do you tell people beforehand are you upfront with it right away that you don't drink 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know what i've noticed like a lot of not a lot of people but some people have been like oh yeah that's not for me Mm -hmm. and i'm like at first i was kind of like a little bit offended but then i'm like actually thank you yeah you're doing me a favor i'm not gonna waste my time on this date yes yeah absolutely letting me know right on like good luck have a great time out there. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely always say like, hey, I don't drink. Like, can we go for coffee or like, let's grab some kombucha or something mm-hmm. like that? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't mind going to bars. Like, I, I have no problem being in a, in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely look for a place that has a non-alcoholic menu or has like alternatives and stuff like that. Um, but yes, I absolutely always say like, I don't drink. Same, same. And that is yeah. like, that's the best policy. You have to get yeah. it out in the open. I actually am probably a little more, um, I don't know, prudish or strict you choose okay. about, about what, about how I accept a date now, because I had so many experiences where I, I was trying to be the cool girl who was cool with a bar. And mm-hmm. here is in my my theory is bar is no is no go because one if you're trying to get to know someone and you actually want to know if you want to have a second date with them i think that you need to be able to hear them and you need to be able to talk to them and at most bars totally. if there's a live band it's just not going to work and then yeah. i kind of started getting selfish with like you know what i don't care if you drink i honestly don't i mean as long as it's congruent level to my non it's you know it's not party style like i'm yeah. okay with you drinking but if I'm going to sit here and have to be fully present for the state and sit in my uncomfortable emotions, watch out. You need to be able to do that too. I need to see like if we can have a connection yeah. and yeah, it might be awkward, but if I'm going to feel awkward, you got to feel awkward right along with me. So it's more of a like, we're doing, we're in this together. We're not drinking. Yeah. We're not going to the bar. Yeah. And I found them to be the most fulfilling dates. So my, okay. you know, my policy now is no bar. I like, okay. I won't do it. And I also won't go on like a drinking date just because I think that we're in this together. And if I'm not going to drink, you're not going to drink. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm a little bit that. of a stickler, but okay. yeah. What is your favorite thing to do on a date? Uh, you know, I like coffee, but I'm also a big proponent just because I live in Austin and it's really nice. Most of the year I like walking dates. So something where you're moving, I just think it's the best case scenario. You're getting your yeah. blood moving and you're able to kind of people watch and, um, you know, if you stop talking for a second, it's okay because you're moving. You need some time to breathe as well. Whereas yes. if you're face to face across a table, it's like a constant interview. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. Oh I'm gosh. glad you're I, for a walking date. It's my, I favorite. hate the sit across dates. Like it definitely feels like an interview. Yes. I, I just don't like that. No, nope. I guess it's very necessary. I no, think I, whenever I start to like date someone, I always sit like on the same side as them. Oh yeah. Same cider, huh? Yeah. On the same side. I like it. Full side like saddle. It. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to agree with the walking date. It's fantastic. 
because there's other like stimulants, like things to look at and like things to talk about, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and yeah, if there's like a lull in conversation, it's, it's easily, you know, like taken in step in stride. Literally. Yes, literally. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I am really excited about this program. It sounds really, really cool. Yes. I'm, it's one of my favorite. It's, I've retooled it so many times, but now it's in its best iteration. And I, I'm so excited to hear some more feedback from women who take it because I know it's, it's really helpful in shifting your mindset and your behaviors around dating. Cool. Now, what, what does the course actually look like? Is it um, like theory? Is it videos? Like what is, what's included mm-hmm. in it? Yeah. So it is all video modules. It, I think there are a, seven or eight video modules plus a couple of like getting started video modules where I really walk you through prepping for the course. You mm-hmm. could, um, and it's all, you know, I'll share a lesson with you and then I'll give you homework. And some of the homework's kind of a little hard, mm-hmm. uh, I will admit, but you're looking for a partner. You're looking for your life mate. Like it's gotta, you've got to put in some effort here. So, um, you go through these video modules and you do the exercises and I give you some, some guidelines for what to do when you actually are allowed. Then when you, you know, graduated from the background information, you're actually going on the dates. I give you information to revisit every time before and after you go on a date and you can take it. It doesn't need to be taken spaced out. You could take it all in one day, as long as you follow the rules, or you could take it progressively over a week or a month or however long it takes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, that's so it's interesting. Out with me in I my love living it. Room. Yeah. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to hang out with you? Exactly. Or your friend, like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet. I wanted to ask you, Amanda, one more question. Mm-hmm. If you had any advice for someone listening to us right now, um, maybe thinking of getting sober or struggling in their sobriety, what piece of advice would you offer? Mm. So I would really advise if you are having trouble getting sober, staying sober, deciding to be sober, whatever it is, wherever you're at in your journey, Mm -hmm. I want you to sit down and do a really critical look at what you think alcohol is giving you. And so what is alcohol either helping you achieve or helping you avoid in your mind? And Mm -hmm. for those of you who it's helping you achieve something, it might be peace, it might be relaxation or avoid, it might be avoiding looking like an outcast, avoiding, um, you know, feeling boring or feeling left out. And I want you to look really critically at those things that you think you're getting from alcohol. And I, I just want you to have a moment, a come to self moment where you say, can I, can I believe just for a millisecond that I can learn to achieve all of those things on my own that I don't need a substance to get me there in some way that I actually have it within me to be cool, fun, sexy, smart, whatever it is, just for a second, if you can believe that, then you can give yourself the the power to get to the next best level. Yes. Oh, what a great, great suggestion. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so, so much. Where can we all find you? Thanks, Jessica. You can find me on the World Wide Web. Um, you can find me on uh, my website, which is um, authenticallyamanda.com mm-hmm. or and my mindful dating course is right there at the top right now, or you can find it authenticallyamanda.com forward slash mindful dash dating um, or on Instagram, which is where I normally hang out, which mm-hmm. is just at authenticallyamanda. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for chatting and sharing your knowledge and experience with us. I really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much, Jessica. I appreciate you. 
I don't know about you, but I will definitely be checking out that mindful dating course. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us your comment and feedbacks. We love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide and the blog. Don't forget about the blog. We have tips, tricks, and a whole page full of downloadable tools to help you through your recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Head over to asobergirlsguide.com and check them out today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.